News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here. Hour number two on this Friday afternoon. And uh, it appears that Ralph Norman has now flipped his vote for McCarthy. That brings the number to eight. Eight of the uh, the rebels, uh, the Republican hardliners, the hard right wingers, uh, the Taliban 20, whatever you want to call them, um, the folks who have the anti-McCarthyites, they've been uh, they've now been convinced that they can vote for McCarthy, including Dan Bishop. And I want to welcome back to the program the editor over at HeadlineUSA.com, Mark Pellin. Hey, Mark, how are you? Pretty good, Pete. How you doing? Pete? I am doing all right. Did you have a good holiday? I did. Yeah. I guess actually it's going to be the Taliban 21 now. I Why? It started out at 19, it's climbed to 20, and now it's 21, apparently. Right, but they just lost eight. Eight people have, eight. yeah, eight have now flipped. Dan Bishop being one of them. Byron Donalds is another. Ralph Norman. Uh, they're now voting for McCarthy. Right, but with good reason. They've distracted some of the key concessions that they've been fighting for. No, 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 Mark. Hang on, hang on. Hang on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. I am told that they were simply in it for themselves. They were. Apparently, that's what, that's the opinion of uh, Dan Crenshaw, the one-eyed McCain patch down there in Texas. He accused them of just notoriety. They were out for not, not, nothing to do with principle. But let's look at what they've done, Pete, over the last few days of their insurrection. They've extracted some key concessions from McCarthy, from the establishment, which is what their, their desire was all along. So uh, you write in the, or sorry, uh, yeah, you write over at uh, Headline USA, um, some of the attacks that they have been subjected to, Crenshaw being one of them, another one from Don Bacon, who with a name like that, I don't think he's in any position to be calling any names. <laughs> but, um, yeah, congressman named Bacon, please. Okay, but he called them the Chaos Caucus, the Taliban 20, and right. uh, Dan uh, Crenshaw called them uh, uh, terrorists. And yeah, let's uh, not forget about Matt Brooks, who's the CEO of the Republican Jewish Coalition, also a huge donor to the establishment ca- uh, campaign. Uh, he called them infidels. Mm. He said that their actions should have consequences, and he's very influential with McCarthy-style donors. And that's one of the things that uh, this this Taliban 20 has been trying to fight, Pete. Yeah. One of the concessions they, they, they got was to keep McCarthy-endorsed PACs out of the primaries, which is key, because you have McCarthy rolling in with his big uh, bankroll, and he's primarying a lot of these freedom Republican candidates. Well, and not only that, he's using money. The, the uh, Like all of these candidates, I did not know this until uh, uh, former Congressman Mark Walker, um, after he lost the Senate race, he appeared on uh, on uh, Brett Winterbull's show uh, from three to six, a couple of, uh, probably say a couple months ago now. And he talked about the way that the fundraising operations work in D.C. And he talked about how, all the members are responsible for kicking up dues, quote-unquote, dues mm. to the leadership funds who then turn around, and now it makes sense, right? Like, you don't want to have to, you don't want to be fundraising, kicking up the dues, and then turn around and see them using that money against you. you. Yeah. Right, and that, that's one of the key concessions, Pete, that these, uh, these Taliban 20 rebels have, have, have extracted so far from McCarthy and his lust for speakership. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, Pete. They've also... You know, you talk about insurrectionists, they have are now dealing to have more review of bills and amendments and uh, nominations on the, on the House floor. <laughs> you know, they don't want you to come to the do a, a huge omnibus bill and pass a $1.7 billion. Uh, a trillion. 
trillion dollars. Yeah, trillion. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that, and that, that's another thing they're trying to extract from the McCarthy establishment. And th- those are key concessions. And I think that's why they they deserve to be called freedom rebels and not infidels and terrorists. I, I thought it was particularly appropriate. Somebody's response I saw, I don't remember if it was in uh, your story or somewhere else, but the, one of the uh, congressmen who responded to the accusation that they were the Taliban, uh, they said, okay, so yeah, we'll wait it out and then and then win. Like, okay, well, right, take on a superior force, wait it out, and then win, declare victory. Like, is that is that the analogy you're trying to draw? Like, I don't know if you thought that one through. Um, right. A little, little message in there. Yeah. Uh, I think that the principle was, was intact. And right. That's what really irks some of the people I've talked to, uh, Pete, about Crenshaw's uh, slap at them, about not having any principles, just being out for their own notoriety. That's exactly the opposite of what they are trying to accomplish and, and so far have accomplished. Well, and that was one of the early storylines at the very beginning was that all of these McCarthy backers were were leaking to the media that – uh, well, you know, we've talked to them privately, and we and these uh, these rebels, they just they won't tell us what they want. They just won't tell us what they want, and that was well, not true. But this is flat out lie, Pete. And you know, it's interesting. We interviewed Dan Bishop back in October, and yeah. run up to what was supposed to be the red wave election. And you know, at the time, the House Freedom Caucus had just issued a memo in October to to, to new members. And one of the lines from that we pulled was, Republicans ran to fix Washington. We cannot continue to govern in the same way that broke it. And that's been their consistent message since October. And it hasn't changed one bit. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to fundamentally change the well-oiled machine that's become uh, Congress. Right. Uh, so some of the things, the new concessions from McCarthy, as described by multiple Republicans involved in the negotiations, include promises for floor votes on a balanced budget congressional term limits, and appropriations amendments that would cut spending. Now, those are just promises for floor votes, right? So right. like this, like the contract with America, Newt Gingrich, where they're like, yeah, we're term limits. That's one of the, the key elements. And then it was like, oh, <laughs> we just promised to vote on term limits. I don't know right. we would vote for them. No. Right. Right. So they're just going to – so they, they promised to have floor votes – on term limits, uh, balanced budget, and appropriations amendments, and he agreed to return the threshold for forcing a floor vote on ousting the speaker back yeah. to one member. And for some of these right. uh, rebels, that's that was a key concern of theirs. Not Dan Bishop's, but that was one of theirs. Well, it was one of the key concerns of Dan Bishop also was, along with the rest of the rebels, was uh, getting additional Freedom Caucus members on the House Rules Committee, which is one of the concessions that they've apparently um, wrangled. Right, that's, and that's appropriations, key. yeah. Yeah, that and really drives a stake at the heart of the, the establishment swamp. Uh, that's how the, these these uh, sausage grinders are made, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you stick it in the rules committee, and if you pack the rules committee with your your establishment favorites, guess what comes out? A one point seven trillion dollar omnibus bill that you know it passes in in forty two hours. Right, and that was one of the other things when we talked with Dan uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, you know, he outlined like some of the, uh, like some of the concerns about the regular order not being followed, and that for the last almost decade we've been dealing with this budgeting by crisis uh, yep. mechanism, where everything is th- th- these uh, the the pressure of the deadline is completely contrived because they don't do their jobs, and so then they just cram everything together in one big fat bill and they push it out before uh, a holiday, usually Christmas, and they're like, you got to vote for it or else you can't go home and see your family for Christmas, and so everybody just right. votes for it. And then if you don't vote for it, then your opponents get to you know rip you in campaign ads 
because it's $1.7 trillion and it funds a lot of stuff that you would support, but then they can say, you voted against this thing. And it's just, it's right. not, it's not a good way to govern. Well, you, you know, you, you're put on a, a chopping block, whether you either vote for it or you're out to kill um, grandma. Right. And that's just a false, false argument. But that's what the, that's what the establishment has perpetuated. He said for years, and this is what, at the heart, the Freedom Caucus is trying to change. I think they've accomplished some of those goals. Hopefully, they'll prove true moving forward. So now the so now the question is: Do you take half the loaf mm. and work for the other half later? Like, do you right. do you accept that? Okay, he's caved as much as he can. And look, I've uh, like I don't I I don't care for Kevin McCarthy. You know, I think he's overly ambitious. I think this is what he's wanted for too long, and that makes me that that makes me wary of him. Um, but if you're asking for the job to try to corral votes, to get stuff done, and you can't do this, right? then you probably don't have the expertise necessary for the gig in the first place, right? So if he is able to pull this out, then okay, then it seems like he is able to to negotiate and to make get concessions, make concessions, and get stuff done. Uh, and so maybe, maybe he emerges from this actually stronger because uh, he, he's honed some skills there that nobody really knew he had. I don't know. <laughs> nice yeah uh, you know and i think one of the important things here too pete is uh, they're they're trying to make sure they can hold him accountable for falling through on some of his promises to uh hold the biden administration accountable mm-hmm. you know to, to to open some investigations into my work is the border crisis mm-hmm. see, see what those things are doing and uh, hopefully with the concessions that they've drawn so far if mccarthy does end up in the speakership he'll he'll be you know, compelled to, to listen to those arguments and, and, and advance those causes. The other concern, though, that I have is that the people who use the types of uh, uh, terms, like we mentioned earlier, Taliban 20 and all that, right. uh, that they are going to feel like, and they're going to make the arguments, that those pressure tactics worked to get these people to start flipping. That's that's what I'm worried about, that they're going to start planting that story to write that narrative, and that's going to become the conventional wisdom. Well, I think it's a false narrative. I mean, it's sure. a false narrative that they, 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 they developed two years ago with the, the, the insurrection at the Capitol, right? Mm-hmm. The giant riot that involved maybe, you know, a handful of people. There were a lot of people who got unruly. But it started as a very peaceful rally, Pete. And, you know, it, it devolved into what it was. And they've been building on that for, what, two years now? Mm-hmm. Building false narratives. So I think you're, you're right. There is that chance that that could be built moving forward when you have a mainstream media on your side. Mm-hmm. But I think I think all twenty of these uh, Freedom Caucus members who are standing up now are stalwart enough to take the heat and right. convince the public of the rightness of their argument. Yeah, Mark Pellin, editor at HeadlineUSA.com. Go check out the website, Mark. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, buddy. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. So there were 20 opponents to McCarthy, 20 holdouts, 20 rebels, hardliners, right-wingers. And uh, 14 of them have now flipped to Kevin McCarthy on the 12th ballot. Final count, McCarthy, I think this is the first time he has been the votainer at 213. Hakeem Jeffries at 211, others at 7, 0 voting present. So he still needs five votes. 
don't know who the other two votes are there. The others, I, I, I don't have that count or, or I don't see who they voted for. Um, but seven people voted for, for other. Um, McCarthy got 213. You need 218, so he still needs five. The problem is the five holdouts that are the never Kevins are literally saying they're never Kevins and they're never going to vote for him. So how do you win them over with any kinds of concessions? Obviously, what he was able to do to flip this many people on this vote indicates that he may actually have the chops to wheel and deal and get stuff done, right? Which is what the Speaker of the House is supposed to be adept at doing in the first place, which was, you know, that that's what would have built, if, if McCarthy couldn't ever get past where he was yesterday, then the calls would start growing for him to step aside because this is a, this is the job, right? This is the job. You're supposed to be able to negotiate, get concessions, cut deals, make people happy, and then backstab them when they're not looking right. Like all of that, <laughs> all of that is part of the gig. And if you can't get that done, then you don't get the gig. You shouldn't get the gig. Um. So who has flipped so far? Dan Bishop from North Carolina, Ralph Norman from South Carolina, Chip Roy from Texas, as well as Brechin. Brasheen, I don't know how to pronounce that name. B-R-E-C-H-E-E-N, Brasheen from Oklahoma. Cloud, Clyde, Byron Donalds, who was nominated like seven times or something as uh, as an alternative uh, to McCarthy. Gosar, Luna, Miller, Ogles, Perry, Self, and Sparts. Um, but now it's over, so, now, so that was, what, 14... Right, so they had 20, yeah, so there are like, I don't know who the others are. I'm going to have to pull up C-SPAN during the break or something. But this is one of the most frustrating aspects of this story, and I've watched it develop over the you know last week, just like you have. And uh, at the beginning, everybody on the McCarthy side was saying that the, the holdouts won't tell them what they want. They won't tell us what they want. They're just not telling us what they want. Dan Crenshaw said this stuff. I mean, it's just a lie. They were telling McCarthy what they wanted. And then McCarthy would come back with them, and then they would go back, and they went back and forth. And at one point, McCarthy says, well, you know, give us a list of committee appointments. Because what one of the what some of the uh, members wanted were more appointments of Freedom Caucus members onto committees that matter to them. Their big focus has been on the fiscal discipline stuff. So they want to have some committee members on appropriations, on the rules committee. Right? They, they, their caucus wants to have a voice in these committees. And if the leadership says no, then they're going to say, well, you don't get our vote then. And that's not a that, – that, that's not a uh, – that's not necessarily – you know, a personal benefit, a personal gain kind of a thing. That's them saying our caucus has certain principles that we want to see reflected in the committee appointments, the committee assignments, because these committees are how the leadership runs its bills through the House, right? So they wanted representation on those committees. And once they got it, they were like, okay, now we don't know who they're going to be or whatever. But what happens is that McCarthy says to them, well, give me some names. Give me some of the names of some of these people you want on committees. And so they're like, okay, well, um, 
here are the here's the committee here are the committees we want and then they start asking their members like do you do you want any of these and like some of them are like no but I'll do it <laughs> you know and they give them a list of all these potential people to be posted and what does the McCarthy camp do they take the list and they leak it to the media and they say they're angling for their own committee posts and what Chip Roy told Fox News was that isn't what happened at all McCarthy asked for names and when the Freedom Caucus went to its membership and said, what do you want? Who, who wants what? And people had to be, like, convinced in some cases to participate in certain committees. And, uh, and then McCarthy's people leaked it out and used it to impugn their motives. That's the kind of politicking we're seeing. We see, the, and it takes time for the, for the, the counterpoints to come out, right? Dan Bishop had this very thing happened to him. Somebody leaked out that he said he would quit his seat. He was, would resign from Congress uh, before he'd vote for McCarthy. And, and Bishop got on the floor of the House yesterday and said, that's just flat out a lie. But you have members of Congress retweeting that and amplifying that lie, even after the lie got corrected by Dan Bishop directly to Fox News on Twitter. I saw it happen. He's like, you got this wrong. And they corrected their story, but it was still amplified by a fellow member of Congress. This is the kind of, you know, bare knuckles, brawling kind of politicking that we're seeing. So this idea initially that, oh, they don't have any kind of agenda, they don't have principles, it was actually not true. Jacob Sullum over at Reason.com, he takes one example of this and just uh, eviscerates it. He writes, what unites the Republicans who are resisting the election of Kevin McCarthy? According to the New York Times article published yesterday, it's their devotion to Donald Trump and his fantasy of a stolen presidential election. Yet today, the New York Times noted that McCarthy's opponents were completely unfazed by Trump's endorsement of McCarthy and calls for Republican unity. Right? So if they're doing it for Trump, then why did they ignore Trump? If it's not about Trump, what what is it about? Unlike previous GOP insurgent movements that aspired to change the vision of the party, New York Times reporters Lisa Lehrer and Reed Epstein, they suggest in a, quote, news analysis piece, so it's not really journalism and it's it's not really commentary, it's analysis, which is commentary. Um, They say these rebels, quote, are are focused far more on their personal power. There you go. Their personal power. Not Kevin McCarthy. Obviously, he's not in it for personal power. No, no, that's just why he wants to be the leader of the party. That's not for his personal power. No. The Times clearly shares the Republican establishment's dismay at the disruption caused by the 20 GOP legislators who have refused to support McCarthy. The Times writes, quote, After two days of chaos and confusion on the House floor... Republicans have made it abundantly clear who is leading their party. Absolutely no one. Well, isn't that what a democracy looks like? To borrow a phrase from the street mob protesters of 2020 and 2019. and Tell me what democracy looks like, all you Occupy Wall Streeters, right? This is what democracy looks like. This is it. 
It's rowdy, it's rambunctious, it's angry, people yelling and twisting arms and calling names. Yeah, that's what democracy looks like. Morons. What's up, Alan? News Talk 1110-993-WBT-704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. 1110. Kevin McCarthy is uh, five votes away from being able to uh, uh, recognize, his realize his lifelong dream of becoming the Speaker of the House. Well, I don't know if it's his lifelong dream. Probably ever since he won that lottery ticket. But, um, yeah, Brett Winterbull told me that that's how McCarthy made his money. He won a lottery in California. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, good for him. Um, all right, let me go over here and get uh, Jerry on the program. Hello, Jerry. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Thanks. So it's another day of crushing disappointment at the hands of Republicans. <laughs> Why do you say I, that? Because I think, you know, when people are, well, for everything that's being said, I, I think they're, because the people that we, continue to put our faith in and believe when they tell us that they're standing up and you know, speaking for us and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then they cave and their word is just about as worthless as McCarthy's, in why? my opinion. Right. But why? Why? OK, I understand. So you don't want McCarthy to be the speaker. But so yeah. you have to so, because there are 20 something different uh, people that all had different reasons for their opposition. So tell me, like, who is it that caved against their principle? Well, I, I, cause I, well, I mean, the one I was just really surprised to read about was Dan Bishop. Okay, so what was I the believe- principle that he stated that he was uh, that he was trying to uh, make leadership adopt and that he didn't get, but is now voting for McCarthy? I, I okay, and, and and I'm so first of all, I'm driving, so I can't like Google. I don't have anything in front of me. But my my point is, is that. I, I'm not disagreeing about their wanting rule changes and wanting whatever the p- policies and procedures and the appointments. I'm all on for that. Yeah. M- my point is, I think I think they could have achieved all of that and still gotten rid of McCarthy. That for me, the end game was hell no, Kevin. Right. So, oh, right. So you so, are one of the yeah. So you're in the never Kevin camp, and there are like yeah. five of those members, and they may still very well be able to keep this. Uh, keep this um, uh, uh, this win in McCarthy's victory from happening. That very because they need to get at least one of them, right? They need he needs two eighteen, and he's they got five in the Never Kevin camp. But Dan Bishop was not a Never Kevin camp member. Uh, well, he he was aligned with them, and I yeah, and I I'm just I'm disappointed that he that he that he in my opinion he caved. Right, I, so I disagree with that. I disagree that he caved because he made very clear what the things were that he wanted to see done. And if he got those concessions, which it sounds like he did, along with Chip Roy, that they got those things out of Kevin McCarthy, then that 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 means they won. That means McCarthy caved. It, it, it doesn't. It, in my opinion, it doesn't mean they won because I still think McCarthy is going to screw everybody. But that, I'm praying that, that may Donald be true. Norman, that Senator Norman from South Carolina and uh, represent uh, Representative uh, Ralph Norman. I'm sorry, from South Carolina and Representative Rosendale from Montana that they hold tight. And they Norman already on. flipped. Who, who? Norman flipped. Yep. Oh, thanks, thanks, Pete. Yeah. Well, so Jerry. <laughs> all right. So look. All right. So I, I would submit that if you have to, you have to divorce your 
your uh, desire for anybody but Kevin, right, or never Kevin, right? You you should divorce that. Do not or from the assessment of all of these other people because they had different reasons, different things that they were advocating for, and simply because they now have said, you know, we're going to vote for McCarthy. Because he agreed to what our demands were at an individual level, that he agreed to to make changes enough well, so that they said the we're going to now support you. To what you said before, where whoever leaked to the media or whatever the media said, or Dan Crenshaw, mm-hmm. that idiot, that that people were pursuing it for their own selfish purposes and reasons. It wasn't that a selfish was- purpose. We're talking so specifically about Dan Bishop. And what he laid out, the case that he made on the floor of the House yesterday, the case he made on this show uh, two days ago, he made on other shows. He's been making the rounds. He's been talking about the stuff that he wants to see done. And, like, the biggest thing is return to regular order. Like, he wants wants standalone bills. He's he's laid these things out. And McCarthy last night agreed to those. So when, when you get what you ask for, that's not caving. That's saying, I got what I wanted, and so, yes, now I'm on board. Let, so let me ask you this, Pete. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a what-if kind of girl. I'm cynical. What if McCarthy goes, McCarthy wins, mm-hmm. and he's back in, and he tells them all to go fly a kite now? So one of the other concessions that he agreed to last night was the one-vote threshold to uh, file a motion to vacate the chair again. And so we'll, re, we'll be right back. That's why they wanted the one-vote threshold returned. So they wanted one vote to be able to do to, to him what they did to Boehner, what Mark Meadows did to Boehner. And it, you know, it, the whole point is that if he does renege on some of these, uh, these concessions and he tries to go against them again, then they're going to say, all right, well, motion to vacate the chair, and now you're not going to have enough votes to, to maintain your speakership. That's, that's the, the linchpin. That's what they've been angling for, and it seems like they got it. So I don't see that as a cave. I see it as a win. I, I think we're going to have to respectfully disagree because I I I consider him old guard swamp. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I do I, too. I'm I'm with the people who don't think that he can be believed regardless of what he says. I agree. And I I think we'll just have to wait and see. But I I think it was the one opportunity for for people for for people who are conservatives or hardline conservatives to really take it to him. And I think, if, you know, whether, whether it's people who peeled off who aren't in our same camp, I think what for all the leverage they Republicans had that was taken away by the omnibus or whatever, I think this was the time to, you know, I think this was the hill to die on. I, th- I think it was the hill to die on, and I'm. But you're one of so you're so that view is shared by five members of Congress in the I, Republican I Party, right? So I'm just want to let you know, like, because other people went there <clears throat> to govern, right? There are, there are people there, like Dan Bishop made his case very plain. He said, I came here to fix the broken system. And that's and so he that's his view. That's his vision. And so when he goes in there and he's like, I want, you know, bills that are just about a single item. No more cramming everything in. Well, he got that. He got that concession. Right. And so and again, so the I think they could have found a speak a candidate for speaker who would have agreed with that. That wasn't that wasn't Kevin McCarthy. Again, I'm sure, other people, I'm sure other people want to talk to you. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Okay. I, I appreciate you're going over all of it with me. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not there. You're never. No, you're never, Kevin. I get it. <laughs> I don't. I don't begrudge you for that. Um, but so, but I, I, my only pushback is that being never Kevin does not equal Dan Bishop caved. It does not equal Chip Roy caved. 
That's not them caving because they weren't never Kevin. You are, right? And those other five are. They're not never Kevin's. So they were they were trying to extract specific concessions, knowing that Kevin McCarthy would likely be the Speaker of the House because he had so many of the votes. And so what they tried to do was to leverage and get concessions to get those extractions. And they got them, it seems like. That's not a cave. Not to me. Now, if you come out and say, I'm never Kevin, I'm never voting for him, never voting for him. And then you're like, "Okay, I'll vote for him. That might be a cave. Jerry, I appreciate the call. It was a great discussion. Thank you for uh, uh, for chatting. But I just uh, like I I am a when it comes to political negotiations. It seems to me like I well, I'll tell you, I am a kind of guy that says, take half the loaf and come back and fight for the rest. Get what you can. But recognize, right, that if you try to get too greedy, you lose it all. Now, maybe that's just sort of a risk tolerance kind of a thing. But after watching the the government shutdowns, the fiscal cliff and like all of these all of these brinksmanship issues where people think, oh, we're, we've got the leverage. We're totally going to do this. And and watching it not pan out the way the the people thought it would. When you when you make a demand and you're like, you're not going to get my support unless you do X, Y and Z. When you finally apply enough pressure to that person where they say, okay, I will give you X, Y, and Z, then you take it. And if they say, I can give you X and Y, but not Z, you probably should take it too. And then you go back and fight for Z. But again, the one vote threshold to to call the motion to vacate the chair, to kick McCarthy out, if that's part of all of the rules changes, then that's that's part of the concessions, that's the check on his power. That's the thing to make him abide by all the other concessions. I think that's perfectly reasonable. Jacob Sullivan, Reason.com. He says the anti-McCarthy faction is pursuing a mixed bag of policies, including a balanced budget, passage of the Fair Tax Act, which would replace the federal income, payroll, and estate taxes with a national sales tax, uh, passage of a proposed uh, a proposal that was crafted by Texas Republicans that aims to crack down on illegal immigration. Now, these ideas may be good or bad, but there's nothing inherently unseemly about trying to adva- advance them by leveraging the power to elect the speaker. And neither the procedural reforms nor the legislation that these uh, uh, the holdouts wanted, that doesn't amount to trying to pursue personal power for its own sake, which is what... Uh, Democrats and the left and a lot of folks in the establishment, quote unquote, Republican Party. This is what they've been accusing these holdouts of of trying to do, advancing their own personal power. But as you can see, that's not the case because they got the concessions they they wanted. And now they're going to vote for McCarthy. And if McCarthy doesn't follow through. Then they'll file a motion to vacate the chair. And if five of them say no to McCarthy, he's out. So, like, to me, it seems like a pretty good strategy. But, like, what do I know? Um, Jimmy, welcome to the program. Hello, Jimmy. Hey there, Pete. Uh, This one was another black eye for Trump also. Mm. Uh, You know, McCarthy calls on him to try to settle that group down, and they basically told him to stuff it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and what's uh, the irony there is that a lot of the uh, initial reporting was trying to make all sorts of connections between uh the, you know, pro-Trump folks and 
the uh, the holdouts, and they were like, "Oh, these are the ones that refused to certify the election in 2020, and uh, these are the insurrectionists, and they're just pro-Trump, and they love Trump too much." And and then Trump's like, "Vote for McCarthy," and they're like, "No." <laughs> yeah, this this has not been a good start for Trump with the trading card scandal and him hanging out with Kanye and the crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a rough uh, yeah, it's been a rough two months. Yeah, that yeah, that, that yeah. it is. Jimmy, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. Have a great weekend. All right. I mean, you too. Uh, that's uh, it's, it's not exactly the best start. Yeah. And you're rolling out political campaigns. That's I'm not sure that's the way they drew it up on the board. Although that would also assume that they drew anything up on the board when they started down this path. Anyway, um, back to this piece at Reason.com. Um, the New York Times focuses on a, how the, you know, the far right, the anti-McCarthy Republicans, right? All this focus on them and their connections with Trump and the insurrection and everything. But it doesn't pay any attention to anything that might actually connect their ideological condi- uh, convictions to their actions. Right? And if you just listen to what they say, as we have, when, had Dan Bishop on, I kept asking him, you know, what exactly do you want? And he he laid it out. Chip Roy went on various uh, news outlets and laid it out. They talked about what they wanted. But all of the different people wanted different things. None of them were in conflict with each other. Right? Uh, like, things that Dan Bishop wanted to see, uh, you know, the don't cram... All of these bills together into one big omnibus bill. Don't stuff uh, all of the the spending into uh, you know these uh, these bills. You should do it through a regular order with the appropriations process, and um, uh, uh, members should be able to debate the bills and offer amendments. Everybody should be on board with that, by the way. And and if that's part of the final package of the rules, why wouldn't you vote for what you just demanded? Unless, of course, you are, as Jerry was saying, she's never Kevin, and that's. That's fine. Like, I, I'm i not trying to persuade anybody, you need to like Kevin McCarthy or you need to support him for speaker. I don't it, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not a Republican. It doesn't matter to me. I just, I watch. I, I, I watch. And I watch to see, oh, okay, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. They're saying that and this and whatever. And every now and again, something will come along and be like, okay, that's obviously wrong. That's unethical. You shouldn't do that. But if Kevin McCarthy has made a bunch of promises to these holdouts and the holdouts accept the terms that they demanded, which one would think that's what you do, it's why you make the demand, then you should accept them. That's not caving, that's winning. That's getting the other guy to cave. Actually, it's it's compromise, isn't it? Especially, like, unless, of course, you're never Kevin, in which case there is no compromise position. And that's the problem. It's a, and, that was the, and that's the problem that Dan Crenshaw... Uh, I think ran into when he called all of the 20 people, you know, quote, terrorists or the Taliban 20 and all of this. Because there is like they said the same term, this hijackers or hostage takers and whatever. And remember about the fiscal cliff and the, the all, you know, the spending matters, what I'm trying to, the, the, the continuing resolutions, the CRs and all that. And they said, though, they, they're just terrorists because they want to just kill everything, kill everybody, right? Well, for the never Trumper or never Trumpers, for the never Kevins, never Keviners, never, never, never McCarthy's. Anyway, for them, like, what's the what's the compromise position? Steve Scalise, Patrick McHenry, 
right? Who's the who else is acceptable? Because anybody in the leadership team, you could say, would suffer for the same fate because they'd be exposed to the same arguments. So there isn't any kind of there isn't a compromise point. So what a lot of the what the guys who flipped uh, today seems to me they got their concessions and they precisely got them because they were persuadable towards a compromise, which is what politics is. Right. They, they knew what you wanted. You knew what they wanted. And you both got what you wanted. Because the thing Kevin wants most is to be speaker. And so he'll sacrifice all of these other things. He'll concede them. So I don't think I don't think that the flippers, the holdouts, I don't think they caved.